On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with licensed nurse practitioner Christine Patterson about body trauma responses from abuse and how to heal in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Christine Patterson. How are you? Doing great. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And for those that do not know who you are, you are a licensed nurse practitioner who helps survivors of trauma and domestic abuse recover and heal in mind, body, and spirit. You have a doctorate of nursing from UNC, and you've been a nurse for 10 years as well. And today we're going to talk about trauma. We're going to talk about you know, the trauma responses of the body and health issues that come with all these things where people, you know, we hear a lot on our survivor story show, you know, I got this health issue. I have this health issue. I, and they say like, I had no idea that these things were related to my trauma responses to what was going on in my relationship or, or growing up. So we're going to walk through a lot of these different types of health issues that do pop up. We're going to talk about your own experience, how they popped up Mm -hmm. in your life. And for people that want to be a guest on our survivor story episode, when we discuss uh, someone's journey through or experience of, of, of trauma or, or their domestic violence experience or, or their experience growing up, you can go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there's a button that says guest form, and you click on that button. It takes you to a guest form page and fill out all of that information and send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. And now we're going to start off our, our, our little show with you here, Christine. And I guess we're going to break right into what is trauma? Yeah. So I, I think the definition of trauma is that it's any experience or event that is disturbing or distressing. And that can be a lot of things. Um, there's also the physical component of that. So if working in the hospital setting, like I have before, we'll talk about traumas, you know, trauma cases. And those are people who have been in some kind of accident where physical injury has happened to them. So trauma, you know, has a lot of different facets to it and the ways that it can show up for people and then the ways that it could be experienced. And the way I think about it is really simple, that it's any kind of threat to ourselves to our identity, to who we are, to our integrity. So that's my kind of way to process. And and that's obviously subjective. We determine that. So we determine our degree of trauma or our experience of trauma. My perspective is that a lot of people could go into the same experience and come out of it differently. So maybe we're in um, an experience of... Uh, catastrophe. There's been a physical event um, where maybe a natural disaster or something. That's that's an experience of trauma. 
And some people will come out of that experience not having the same degree or maybe none of the physical symptoms afterwards. Um, whereas some people may come out of that experience having a great deal of distress or physical symptoms after that experience. And in relation to that where someone doesn't have any signs of trauma in in those sense, is there a way that, you know, someone's not realizing that they are in a trauma state? They themselves have no way to uh, identify it and, and how as a practitioner yourself, can you see trauma in someone that doesn't realize that they have it at all? Yes, I think that's an excellent question because I think that's absolutely true. And I've seen that time and time again, um, where individuals may not understand the trauma that they've been through. And, and this often happens too with generational trauma, because we might not actually experience the physical event in our lifetime that maybe our parents or even our grandparents did. And that trauma gets encoded in their genes that are then passed down to us. Um, and that can come up again in a variety of ways, sometimes mental health, often also physical health, but it's all from the same experience. And for someone like me who has a little bit of OCD type tendencies, that would be a trauma response that I would have never connected a long time ago as being a trauma response. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think for a lot of people, maybe who individuals who have maybe experienced war or things like that, that we might not even be aware of the traumas that they went through, um, that, that if we're in their generational line are affecting our body. What was the biggest trauma, hidden trauma that you had that opened up one day and you're like, oh my God, I, I can't believe I've been living like this for a while and not even realizing that this is a trauma response? Right. So for me, I my initial trauma event was in childhood um, where I had an experience and then after that experience happened of the trauma I was told that if I told anybody that my um, the person that abused me that, that that he would kill me, and so my little self had no idea what had really happened. Just knew I was very afraid and scared and couldn't tell anyone and didn't tell anyone for years. And later, it wasn't probably until twenty plus years later that I understood the degree of trauma and the impact that it had on my body. Um, and it led me through other vulnerabilities where I endured other abuses, domestic violence and narcissistic abuse through the years, um, which also had an impact, but it was this cumulative kind of layering of all these traumas um, that led me to experience trouble sleeping, nightmares, terrible acne, <laughs> bloating, trouble with my gut and constipation. I was having excruciating neck and muscle pain, like all throughout my body. Um, one that a lot of people don't talk about or maybe think isn't related at all to trauma would be something like vaginal pain. So I was having pain with intercourse and I didn't understand why. And my doctors told me 
was just a thing, right? Um, depression came up, um, anemia, fatigue, food sensitivities. So it, my whole body was dramatically changed because of these experiences of trauma. And I think that's true for a lot of people. And you mentioned your doctor and as someone who's gone through the system of different doctors for an issue that I have, you realize when you've been through the system that you're just getting educated guesses Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And when your doctor says to you something along the lines of, hey, what you're going through is stress-related, that's their educated guess. But for you, you're dealing with trauma. It is not stress. So what is the difference between trauma and stress? So stress is something that's natural and normal to our environment. Our bodies are always encountering stressful circumstances, whether that's on a biological level or a mechanical level. Um, And stress can be helpful. It actually is what makes us, our bodies adapt and grow. Those are stressful circumstances. Trauma rises much farther above that level and, and creates like physical adaptations in the body that eventually are destructive to the body. So whereas stress can be generative and helpful and actually healing in some ways, trauma is actually going to induce changes that that are um, negative in the body and in the and in our minds and spirits as well, and they lead us to much greater vulnerability for disease and illness in the future. And not everyone's response to trauma is the same. So, uh, how do people respond differently? And like from your practice, what have you seen? Uh, I guess you know you you've seen. I, hundreds of people within your practice or, or more. Uh, what have you seen as the different manifestations of these, this thing? Yeah. So trauma can show up in a lot of different ways. And one of the reasons we might experience it differently from somebody who could have gone through the same event is that each of our bodies is unique, right? We're coming into the world, as I mentioned earlier, with different Um, already our genes are encoded from our parents with different traumas and experiences that are going to change which genes are already turned on and off even before we're born. And that means that when we encounter an experience, we already have a totally different body milieu that's going to make us either more vulnerable or more, you know, even possibly more resilient than the person right next to us. Um, And Trauma will show up with a lot of different um, physical ailments. So even things like lung disease and asthma, those are linked to, there's a link with trauma in that. Food sensitivities and allergies are linked. Definitely a lot of gut issues, IBS, so both diarrhea and constipation. Trouble digesting our food and reflux are pretty common. Also, definitely blood sugar <laughs> regulation. So diabetes is a pretty big one. Um, issues with weight, if we're having trouble losing weight, um, it's often because there's, you know, 
different hormonal changes that have happened from the trauma experience um, that lead that downstream to there. Um, our sex hormones are affected um, because they're also part of that package of our of our hormones and our cortisol. And so we could have changes in fertility, um, could have changes in our how energetic we feel. So as I mentioned, I was struggling with fatigue. That's pretty darn common. That's actually one of the most common physical complaints that anybody could come up with, period. Um, and I've even seen people with like skin issues, um, couldn't, you know, immune, autoimmunity. It really will affect every single system and cell of the body. Are autoimmune ones the trickiest because uh, it's your body fighting the body and and I guess things happen with autoimmune diseases that in a way don't make sense? Right. Yeah, I think well, a lot of them can be tricky, but there's also some simple ways too that everything, because there's the body is really wise, um, it's doing these things in an effort to save ourselves, right? And so there are some really common mechanisms that are happening and um, physiology that's happening underneath all this, even though it looks completely different from one person to another, there's a common foundation to it all. And so as you begin to unravel it, it actually sometimes can be a lot more simple than it seems on the outside. So what happens to the body uh, or what happens in the body after trauma and what are the long-term effects? Yeah. So when someone is in a trauma situation, um, and again, this could be a lot of different things. It's not just, you know, trauma with a capital T, but it, it's those like subtle experiences that threaten our sense of self over and over and over again as well. Um, these things activate certain systems in our body, especially what gets a lot of attention is our limbic system where we process our emotions. And it's also deeply connected to what's called the hypothalamic pituitary axis, which is essentially our master hormone and metabolism center. Um, so, and that will start sending out a lot of different signals throughout the body. A major one is cortisol, which people might hear of and hear it called the stress hormone. So it's what our body will start pumping out from our adrenal gland on our kidney um, in response to a very stressful event. And um, it used to, it, what it hopes to do is mobilize us, send us a lot of extra energy, send a lot of blood to our tissues and our major organs like our heart to get us to move away from danger. And when we currently live in an environment where our trauma and our stress is kind of this repeated everyday experience that we can't run away from, that activation over time leads to things like, like I mentioned with the blood sugar dysregulation and um, stubborn weight because cortisol makes weight stay on our belly <laughs> instead of moving it to other places in the body. It tells us to hold on to, to our nutrients and our energy rather than moving it through the body like it normally would. It also activates um, what's called the social engagement system in our body. And this is kind of our body's combination of our senses, the way that we perceive our environment. And 
um, it sends signals to our gut and from our gut also back up to our brain. So in after a trauma experience, one of the reasons gut issues are really common after trauma and stress is because it will change our body's both microbiome and also how our intestines and our gut are moving through. It changes our innervation of those things. And then long-term, as our body continues to read those changed signals from our gut, it will perpetuate that disruption over time. So in a sense, it's the same as when someone needs their wiring we reprogrammed in, in their brain from what they've been told about themselves, uh, et cetera, mm -hmm. and how they're mm -hmm. talking to themselves. Yeah. Within the structure of your practice, you are helping, or the theory is, you know, your body has been telling yourself X for so long because of the trauma, and you need yeah. to reprogram your body in the exact yep. same way as someone would do with the brain, except the difference would be yep. that your brain is, you know, you have to functionally um, think of those things through for your thoughts. Your brain yep. is a different beast, maybe, but we'll get there, I, th I think. <laughs> yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah. I. So what I'm hearing, and I would totally agree with, is that um, after a trauma experience, I think it's really common to think about trauma and trauma reactions as psychological. And that's kind of what we hear in the mainstream media, that it's all about rewiring our brain and redoing that. But we actually have more signals coming from our body to our brain than we do from our brain to our body. And so it does become essential for real profound healing and transformation after trauma experiences for us to address the body and all the signals that the body is still sending to the brain. We're not going to be able to really rewrite our brain and change our experience if we don't address those signals too. And we'll get into the nitty gritty of how you do everything. But before we get to that, uh, you, earlier you mentioned hormones. Mm-hmm. So what is the body's hormonal response to trauma? Yeah. So the basic kind of mechanisms that our body uses as our hormones, right? So our hormones are our chemical messengers in our body. And when we have that initial experience, as I mentioned, and our body tries to mobilize us out of trauma, it's going to send out cortisol. And cortisol gets activated long-term when we're in chronic stress and trauma that's repeated day-to-day. -day. Um, the cortisol response, um, our body makes cortisol from a precursor called DHEA. And our other, many of our other hormones are, are made from DHEA as well. So if our body is in chronic stress, chronic trauma. We haven't resolved these issues because maybe we didn't even realize we had trauma or our parents had trauma, that our body is going to be taking and making more cortisol and not making our other sex hormones as much. So this leads to, as I mentioned, the infertility, fatigue, 
if we're lacking in estrogen and testosterone and some of the other hormones that are in this kind of cascade and tree. Um, so it really does have a profound effect on, on hormones. And also it, it affects our thyroid hormone as well because it's all, our thyroid is linked in this hypothalamic pituitary access. So when there's activation in it, it's going to continue to try to either activate the thyroid or our thyroid hormone is activated in our gut, actually, particularly and most predominantly in our liver. So if we are having changes where our brain is having decreased signaling to our gut and our gut is having all of these issues after a traumatic experience because our microbiome has been changed and maybe things aren't moving through as quickly and things like that, it's going to influence our body's ability to activate thyroid hormone in particular, which is, again, uh, one of the master, um, which is one of the master hormone um, that activates our metabolism. So it influences our weight, our energy, our mood, all of those things. So for me, fatigue was definitely big, and I didn't realize it for a long time until a year later when I was still sleeping like 10 plus hours a night and also still waking up feeling exhausted. And I remember going to a naturopath and asking about it and saying, I was in this abusive relationship and I'm not in it anymore. And I'm just confused as to why I'm so tired. Like I'm eating healthy, like I'm doing all the other things. And I was just told, well, you know, it will take time. It just takes time to heal. <laughs> so hopefully it'll get, keep getting better. Um, and it, it took more than time. It took some attention as well, but it, um, it was definitely a, a big experience and influenced what I could do every day. So what symptoms might people experience after trauma? Yeah, well, there's a lot, a long list of symptoms that people might experience and they might kind of come and go, they might stick around. And so I just want people to know it, it could be like a weird puzzle that they're feeling after trauma when they're, when they're trying to understand their body. But fatigue, definitely prominent. Um, feeling like you wake up and you just don't have any energy to move through the day. Even something like dizziness or lightheadedness can be a symptom of trauma. Having a poor tolerance for stressors. So maybe it's even a physical stressor, like you try to go exercise, but then you feel totally wiped out for a long time afterwards. Um, things like irritability can be a sign of trauma. You just again, can't tolerate, there's, there's a lack of the ability to tolerate when there's stress or a change in the environment. Things like palpitations could be a sign of that activation of the body. The body's trying to do something to activate energy to get you move out of danger. Bloating because our gut isn't absorbing nutrients, isn't moving things along like it normally would. Vaginal pain or pain with intercourse is a, another kind of common experience that people might not understand is related to that trauma. Muscle aches and pain um, because if our hormones are affected, they influence our ability to tolerate pain <laughs> in the body. Muscle tightness and cramps, as you can imagine, again, if you're 
body is trying to get itself out of danger and sending more energy to your muscles, those muscles are going to be tense and tight. Um, increasing weight without trying, um, so especially around the midsection, in, a, in an inability to lose weight, even if you're eating healthy and exercising and that weight is sticking around, it could be because of some of these hormonal imbalances that I mentioned. Having trouble sleeping, um, and this could look like nightmares even, um, things or just feeling tense, not having the ability to fall asleep or waking up a lot, waking up really early in the morning and just feeling like you're super activated because your cortisol is really high. Some people, like I mentioned, would have the excessive sleep like I did, <laughs> like your body just could never sleep enough because it's so exhausted and depleted after a long, long period of this trauma. So it could look like a lot of different things. So when you hear that someone is triggered and that mm -hmm. trigger, someone will maybe react to something or, you know, we, when we talk about abuse in that sense, in the stories that mm -hmm. we hear, there are these triggers that happen and then usually it's an emotional response and you're mm -hmm. able to trace things backward to what that trigger is mm -hmm. when it comes to body responses like these where we're getting into hormones and cortisol and mm -hmm. a lot of words that i don't understand a lot yeah. um is <laughs> yeah. is there an actual like the trauma had occurred a long time ago but are mm -hmm. there are you able to trace back triggers with people to be like, okay, that happened. And then you're, you started producing more of this hormone. Or you started producing that. Are those, is it working the exact same way? So you're able to help people pinpoint something and say, okay, that's what happened. And then this happened. And yeah. is that like a method that is used? Yeah, definitely. One of the things I actually do when I'm first um, meeting someone and I'll start with um, like a case review, usually where we talk about, Here's the experience of their body. We'll go through symptoms, diagnoses, all that kind of stuff. And I'll be plotting out a timeline. Like, here we are today. This is what our complaints are today. This is the story of how it's all unfolded. Even trying to ask questions about prenatal health, mother's health, father's health, things like that, to try to, again, get that trauma, picture of trauma intergenerationally. Um, and I can usually pinpoint traumatic experiences that have influenced the health and started that cascade of change that that person never even realized. And so definitely that's part of part of what I try to do. And as I try to take like a deeper look at it all is to help that person really understand what their body has been through and how it's affected them, not just emotionally, but in a true physical sense. So uh, this goes straight into our next question, which is how can someone heal and recover after trauma? And I guess we'll discuss here uh, the methods in which you use mm -hmm. and some case studies to kind of give yeah. examples. Yeah. So the I try to help people recover by addressing kind of everything because they're a whole person, right? So we can't just focus on one body system, like if it's their skin or their gut that's an issue. I don't just focus on things like that. I try to address the whole body, their mind, and their spirit. 
um, because we really got to revamp everything to heal. Um, and I still think, you know, things like counseling, therapy are super important because we do need to try to address those signals in our brain. A lot of what I do is um, really focused on the body and the body's experience because that's what my expertise is in. So I'll coach people on healthy eating, trying to figure out what their body actually needs, if they're sensitive to certain foods, because as I mentioned, that might happen after a trauma experience if the lining of the gut has become damaged over time and pieces of food can come through that lining um, and cause hypersensitivity and reactions. So I'll try to do like a really deep dive on diet with them and nutrition because also in our body, if we're not digesting our food appropriately, if things are triggering us without understanding, because we're not just triggered emotionally, we're triggered physically and mechanically as well, that um, I, they need probably more nutrients than a normal person. Our body is using up more magnesium, is using up more tryptophan, things like that. And those are building blocks and of many important mechanisms in our body and also are important for thousands of reactions within our body on a daily basis. So we need to make sure that their body has the nutrition it needs to heal. And that's definitely an essential component. I, one of the I, basic things I recommend to people that kind of anybody can do for themselves if they're listening to this is to do like a vegetable forward, colorful and organic diet. <laughs> so you don't have to follow a specific like keto or vegan or anything like that. But if you have, you know, a propensity to do so, if you want to do so, people can make their own choices. But just eating a lot of vegetables every day, making sure that you eat lots of different colors of vegetables every day and keeping it organic if possible is going to provide the body with a diverse array of nutrients that it needs to heal. So that's one thing that I would recommend. I also tell people when they are eating their food to slow down and chew really thoroughly. Because again, our gut might not, we don't need to make our gut work a lot of harder, lot harder than it has to. And when we eat really fast and we don't chew our food very well, we create a lot of work downstream <laughs> for our body to try to break it down with acid and then re, you know, break it down even further in our intestines to pull it into our body. These things have to be microscopic. <laughs> when we are taking them in, they're huge, right? And so we can relieve and alleviate a lot of stress on our body when we just slow down and chew our food really slowly with our meals. Um, I could sure do that myself. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I work on trying to slow myself down as a whole because I am an mm -hmm. overthinker. I never even mm -hmm. thought to do that about uh, to do it with food. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're we live in cultures. Much of the Western world today is like really prone to like got a lot to do, keep going, keep moving. Eating is like something that you just have to get through <laughs> every day to keep your energy up. Um, but it really is this really important process for your body to go through. And it takes a lot of energy for our bodies to eat. Um, and we have to be in that parasympathetic state, which is a different type of nervous system. It's 
a different signal from our brain to our body than the typical move, get things done, attack things. That's what we call the sympathetic nervous system where, and that's the fight or flight stress response that our body would be saying at all the time. So we have to do a lot of work to move ourselves over into that parasympathetic state where we can actually digest our food and actually heal. <laughs> so meals are a great time every day to be reminded of that. Well, you're just making me think about the workplace and how so many people throughout the day are like, you got 30 minutes for lunch and then, you, you know, and they have to kind of get back and they're already in most likely a, a stressful situation to begin with. And I'm sure many people's jobs give them trauma in, in some ways. And now you're like, some people are like, you got 30 minutes to eat. You can't even go out yet. You're sitting at your desk and you're trying to be healthy and, and do these things, but the environment in which you are in is a constant trigger and doesn't let you heal. Uh, in that specific instance, what would you tell someone within that where they're living in a real, I'm not going to say, well, I'll use the word like a prison type work environment uh, who yeah. it's very difficult. It is. And I think a lot too of, um, I mean, well, I'm a nurse, so I think of being a nurse being and working in the hospital and like all the people that are there, because like you said, they're confronted with trauma every day in these really stressful circumstances and um, no time for rest, no time for eating. And I, the recommendation I would give is to do, you know, do your very best. Don't add more stress to yourself by trying to make it happen, but try as much as you can to leave the environment that feels stressful. If that means, you know, sitting outside, sitting in a different area, not eating at your desk, which is going to sort of promote you to keep working over and over and over again. I know if I sit, sit and eat at my desk, I'm checking emails and I'm working and I'm doing all these other things at the same time. But if I take myself to the garden a few steps away, then I will be more likely to move myself into a parasympathetic state. And you being a nurse in that environment, you get no rest. It's like every day you are on a frontline war being at a hospital in that sense where you're getting your caseload, you walk in. Uh, someone's probably leaving on their shift. They might hand over what they haven't completed yet. Yes, and you're yes. just like, oh man, screw that person. And then you're given that. And if you're someone who's an achiever or someone who's not going to let things slide, it adds extra things onto your plate. And you're yeah. doing that every single day. How do you deal with your trauma responses at work? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you have to take really concerted effort to first bring awareness to that situation, to realize how much you're damaging and re-traumatizing yourself in those circumstances. And then you have to find value in modifying it and knowing that that's something that your body absolutely needs, right? Um, and so taking the, making it's probably extreme effort, honestly. You have to take a concerted effort anytime you make change in your life. And although this sounds really simple to do, I think what you're 
pointing out in a really eloquent way, Brandon, is how hard it actually is to put it into practice. That these things, they sound like nice, just check, I'll check a box, I can chew more thoroughly, things like that. But it actually is this really dynamic experience where it's not just your choice, you have to influence a lot of other people and a lot of other circumstances in your environment to actually make that change that's beneficial for you and for your body. Well, I just looked at it in the sense of even when someone is able to get out of the relationship that they are in and they're finally able to get a little bit of control within their life, there's still this work type stuff. They also children, you know, raising children, which is an issue, but work stuff, but you got to, you got to make money. You got to do this. You're out of this relationship mm-hmm. and you're, and you're forced into this thing that for many people can be re-traumatizing in so many different ways. And what, so for those people, what would you say to them in the sense of uh, words of encouragement or um, care to tell themselves during that period? Because it is, you know, they might be in that and they can't get out of it, but they might be trying to figure out how to how? get out and, 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 yep. and where their next how step in life work. would be. Yeah. Yeah. I would say just do the best that you can to make it what your body needs and let it go in the places that you don't have the control. And because it's about accumulation over time. So if you eat your lunch, maybe you're the typical nine to five person, you're eating one meal a day there, probably, um, maybe two or, you know, I guess it could be three. (laughs) If you're really working like 12 hour days and things like that, it could be all day there. But Try to, in, when you're out of that space, when you have more control in your life, try to make it the best as possible. And when you're in that situation, do what you can to make modifications. Turn off your computer, turn off your phone, set it on silent for just a little bit, you know, set it on do not disturb. If there's an issue that's arising, you know, if you're taking just even 15 minutes, that's probably more than, you know, it's better for your body than five. So any kind of incremental small change is still going to be good and move you in the right direction. So I don't think it's something that has to be perfect. So we've discussed mind, we've discussed body, and now we have spirit. What do you have to tell us about the spirit? Yeah, I think it's so important and often really overlooked in traditional medicine that, you know, the spiritual component and To me, this doesn't mean religion necessarily. I think a lot of people hear that and think about different religious tenets, things like prayer or going to church or whatever their religion might say to do. Um, And I really think about this and what I do with my patients a lot um, is try to get them connected with their sense of meaning, values, and purpose. Um, Because those are the things that really make us who we are, um, who make us feel like we are doing something, who that per- give us a sense of identity and and value, really. And those are things that are different for every person. I know a lot of individuals that I've worked with over the years, things like family are really important. Those, that's something that comes up all the time, that they want to spend quality time with their families. And trying to make sure that as they're making change for their health, that they do that, that that's part of the puzzle, right? 
don't just go exercise or eat, do it with your family, right? And that's going to make it such a more impactful experience um, for them if we can kind of connect the dots of those things and make sure that their sense of meaning, values, and purpose is infused throughout the changes that we're trying to make in their lifestyle or diet or things like that. So before we leave today, do you have any uh, words of wisdom about trauma and the healing process? Yeah, I think kind of stepping back and maybe looking at the whole picture for everyone here, I think just to acknowledge that everyone's experience is going to be different. And I think if people are hoping for healing and, and want to move into a, that kind of process of healing, just first and foremost, giving it attention and awareness. And that's a beautiful first step that I think, uh, you know, is really hard. Even just bringing awareness to the things that have been really hurtful to us that have wounded us over the years, that's a big deal. And that takes a lot of courage. So I just want anybody who's thinking about moving into a process like this to understand how courageous it is, how brave it is, and how much that it's an imperfect process over time, but it's it's worth it for them that they have that they deserve to to heal and to recover from these experiences because I don't think if we're not paying attention to our healing and trying to heal, then we're at much greater risk for perpetuating the trauma that we've been in. And what are a few of your favorite books on this subject? I love. The Body Keeps the Score, which is um, by Bessel van der Kolk. It's really, really good just um, from a psychology perspective, but talks a lot about how the body is holding on to trauma and gives some tangible ideas for how to make shifts over the years. Um, somewhat unrelated, but just a beautiful book is called Stillness is Key, is the Key by Ryan Holiday talks a lot about just mindfulness, bringing attention to things, and um, I think provides some really beautiful examples of how imperfect it is and how imperfect people can do really good things when they bring attention to their circumstances. And where can everyone reach you? So my business is called Vital Journey Wellness, and I and you can find my website, www.vitaljourneywellness.com. I see clients virtually from all over. So um, feel free to reach out. Also, I just love to hear from people. So if you find me on social media, I'm on Instagram and TikTok, both with the handle at Vital Journey Wellness. You can ask me questions. I'll maybe make a post in response if you want to know something more about trauma or kind of understand it. And I love, I just love that hearing from people and kind of what they've been through. So feel free to reach out. And what others don't know is that you got engaged last night. So congratulations <laughs> yes. on getting engaged. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. And thank you for being a guest on our show once again, Christine. Everyone is going to learn so much from what you shared with us today. 
And for those of you that want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. And at the top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you get to that Guest Form button, you click it. And when you click it, it takes you to our Guest Form page. And on that page, we have a lot of instructions. Please do read the instructions and then either send us an email through our Guest Form little section there where you press submit or you can send us an email at narcissistapocalypse at gmail.com also at our website we have a safe social network at narcissistapocalypse.com you go to the top of the page that says support group you press on that button and it takes you to our very own safe social network on there we have forum boards where you can post and people will answer we have integrated zoom meetings that happen every wednesday night and saturday night and every other thursday afternoon we have episodes that never made it to air. We have episodes that are ad-free. And if you just want to support our show, please do join our support group. It helps it helps us out a lot. And if you need more support, please do go to domesticshelters.org. So if you are someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone because domesticshelters.org offers you an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you are experiencing and they can connect you with local resources like shelters and they can and they can find ways to I'm screwing up today and they can find ways for you to heal and move forward. So please do go to domesticshelters.org to access this free resource today and I'm not going to fix that. Maybe some of you might find that a little bit funny. So anyway, for myself and from Christine Patterson, uh, thank you for listening to today's episode, and we hope you have a good night. <laughs>